We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Big Blue Banter, the answer to all your Giants matters. From run game to coaching to Bob Shepard's timbre. Hosted by Dan Schneier, analysis on fire. A Giants fan since day one, now preaching to the choir. Joined by Nick Filato, breakdowns with bravado. Passing you the facts like he passes on gelato. From just outside New York, a couple football dorks. A killer podcast when Dan says receiver corpse. They do the play-by-play, dropping almost every day. These experts know the X and O's just like Danny O'Shea. They do the review of the All-22, dissecting every throw. O.C.U. Minora lit up Dan Venora when he was a guest on the show. So there you have it, a podcast for Giants fans who are rabid, who can't wait for Sundays, the NFC East, the Fantasy League standings. We'll see you back here. It's Big Blue Banter. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined as always my co-host, Nick Filato. Today we're here to break down the latest Giants news. The unofficial depth chart is out. We're going to try to make... The most of that as we can. I think it's unofficial, but it might be official. No, just kidding. That's a that's a little joke there. But I think it will probably be what we end up seeing week one for the most part, with the exception of likely rotations that are coming, specifically on the offensive line. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk a little bit about captains, Giants name their captains. Then we're going to get into Nick's projections for the Giants offense in 2021. And I'll give a little over-under. We'll play a little over-under game. I'll give a little over-under on each of those projections. But first, before we do that, Nick, how have you been doing, man? How was your weekend? It's going well, man. A lot of fantasy drafts, i got to tell you, Dan. A lot of fantasy drafts. I'm sure you're well, um, just your time is consumed with fantasy football, working for CBS Fantasy, dude. How, how have your drafts gone, bro? Yeah, man. A lot of drafts for me, too. This past weekend, I had a draft Friday, Sat, or I'm sorry, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, three straight drays of drafts. And then tonight I have a draft that we'll both be in that we'll be talking about a little bit after the pod. Uh, maybe we'll reveal some of that information on a future pod. I don't know. I never know if people are into fantasy or not on this. Some people love it when we talk fantasy. Others are like complaining about it if it's even a minute. So <laughs> who knows, man? But it was a great weekend. A lot of fun. Got to see my home friends. I did the home league auction at my buddy Vince's home. Uh, well, his parents' home. But uh, we always go there for the drafts. A lot of fun. It's, there's a pool there, so we hung out by the pool, did a little auction draft, a lot of fun. And it's our 15th year, and I'm the commissioner, and they made shirts for me. And I posted this on Twitter, found them hilarious. They made shirts with me on the back with the Goodell clown nose <laughs> on. So, you know, they call, me, 
it's not very PC, uh, so hopefully this doesn't offend people, but they call me Commissioner Judell as, as a joke, as a joke, and I, I, I roll with it. It's fine, and hopefully this doesn't offend people. It's just a joke, guys. Um, but anyway, let's talk a little bit about the Giants here, and let's talk about what we just saw come out this weekend, which was an unofficial depth chart. So the two things that stood out to me, there wasn't too many surprises. Let's start with the first one because it's less uh, – we'll, we'll spend less time on it. It, it, it was the Giants came out with a two tight end set in their in their unofficial depth chart. The Giants even have two tight ends who can who you want on the field for this game, Nick. I mean, if they don't have Caden Smith or Evan Ingram, who are we looking at outside of Kyle Rudolph right now? It's one of those practice squad guys. Hopefully, I mean, I don't even want to say hopefully. What are we looking at? Ryan Izzo, uh, Nakia Stewart Griffin, <laughs> Griffin Stewart, the the Family Guy name. I mean, it's 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 not sexy, but I would expect them to come out and drop two tight ends in their first unofficial depth chart. I mean, we know Jason Garrett loves these multiple tight end packages. Yeah, I gotta say, Nick, I'm not looking forward to multiple tight end packages throughout the year. Jason Garrett used it more than. I would say the majority of coordinators. I don't have that stat on hand, but I would say it's pretty obvious that he used it more than 50%. I don't think it's a good way to win in today's NFL. I think you need to run more 11. Um, so, And Giants don't really have the personnel. They have personnel to run 11. They don't have per- personnel to run 12. So, I mean, Unless you like Ingram. But without Ingram, they certainly don't have it. So, you know, hopefully that's just – I'm don't. i not going to make too much of an unofficial depth chart, but I do hope that Garrett does evolve his offense a little bit more this season to play a little bit more open, spread it, spread it out a little bit more, um, and with more of the receivers on the field. We'll find out. But the, the bigger news on the unofficial depth chart was for week one, Nate Solder listed as the starter at right tackle. Um, what do you make of that? I make a lot of that, to be honest. But first I want to just say I think 12 personnel can be – can be very advantageous to the offense if you can utilize your tight ends in a manner that the Giants haven't necessarily done yet, specifically in terms of Evan Ingram. Because if you do use 12 personnel, theoretically the defense is going to come out with more of a linebacker type defense. Now we haven't seen that uh, be consistent, I guess you could say, over the last few years. You've seen a lot of teams like the Giants bring in personnel packages with guys like Xavier McKinney and Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers and these big nickel, big dime type of packages, these dollar packages with smaller defenders that are kind of combating that. But if a team can effectively run the football out of 12 personnel and pass the football while kind of maintaining mismatches against the defense, then theoretically that could be a way to generate explosive plays. And Evan Ingram, he projects to be good in that role, but we haven't necessarily seen it yet. And that's what I mean by when I say today's NFL, because theoretically and schematically speaking, I think you did a great job of outlining it. There is a time and place for 12, and I don't want them to go back to the Ben McAdoo days of 90% plus in 11 personnel. That's no way to win. I just want them to lower it because while theoretically and schematically 12 can help you, it doesn't really fit today's NFL in my mind anymore because teams just simply aren't matching 12 personnel with heavy base looks of three linebackers and four down linemen. They're just saying, you want to go to 12, it's fine. We're still going to play our our heavy, you know, our, our, I guess I don't want to call it a base look, but today's NFL is basically nickel defense is essentially the base. From, I mean, most defenses are running nickel or more or, or more defensive backs on over 50% of their snaps. Actually, I think every defense is running that these days on more than 50% of their snaps, or I should say at least the majority of their snaps, maybe not 50%. So in today's NFL, if you're not getting matched with base personnel looks in the defense when you're putting 12, I do think it limits your offense from the standpoint of, 
you know, it's less explosive. It, it, I just can't see them generating. You can get mismatched. It's like you should be able to get some easy seven to 10 yard route, you know, seven to 10 yard passing plays with somebody like Ingram or the other tight end, whoever it might be. That's all theoretical. We haven't seen it. Like you said, Ingram really doesn't project as a great route runner in that intermediate to short range. Not a great guy and not a great guy from a cut on 90 degree angle standpoint. I guess Rudolph can be okay in that role, but it just feels very limiting to me. Um, and so I just don't see it in today's NFL and we'll see if it goes on, but let's move forward, I guess, with the offensive line and, and talk about what you make of the, of the solar uh, starting. Can we say we're really shocked that the Giants are going to go with a, an established veteran, albeit somebody who hasn't played in over a year. I mean, it's such a crappy situation, but somebody who hasn't played in over a year, but somebody who, you know, you think would be able to make that transition to the right side over a player that is a developmental prospect who was selected 99th overall in the 2020 draft, especially a player that we've seen struggle a lot in the limited amount of snaps that we saw earlier in this preseason, in this training camp. I'm not totally shocked that they're going to go with somebody like Nate Solder to block somebody like Von Miller, who is going to be the predominant player that that right side is going to see. He's going to see a lot of Von Miller. Probably they'll switch it up a little bit. They'll see a little bit of Bradley Chubb, but Bradley Chubb is probably going to be aligned on Andrew Thomas more than he will be on the right side. So I'm not shocked to see that they're going to go with Nate Solder over Matt Pear, and then they can just cycle that pair in when they seem fit maybe every two drives or however joe judge wants to do it just play that platoon type of role but give nate solder the first crack at it either way in my opinion and i'm sure you're in the same boat as me here it's not a great situation against this denver front yeah it's not a great situation against this denver front by any means there's still uncertainty as to whether or not nate solder even is the best option in my mind i remember watching that tape from his 2019 I mean, in 2018, I was actually a big Solder fan in the first half. I was like, wow, he's getting a lot of flack, but he's actually looking pretty good. And I thought he was their best run blocker by far on film in 2018 in the first half. Then the second half came in 2018, and I was like, oh, no, this player's not playing well anymore. And he's, you know, and he's not. And there were signs that the pass protection was starting to wane even in the first half of 2018. But it really didn't start to career its ugly head until the second half. And then 2019 was just a disaster in my mind through and through from both a pass protection standpoint, I'm sorry, pass protection standpoint, Nick, and less so in the run game, but he just wasn't anymore an asset as much in the run game. And what I saw was a player who wasn't bending the same way he used to. And Ben was a big part of his game in New England. He was six foot eight, but had the ability to, had the flexibility to really bend and, and get to spots in pass protection that helped them win. Now, I don't know if that all of a sudden just came back in 2021 after a year off. I doubt it did. We're going to find out. So to me, it's concerning because does this more so mean they don't have the trust in pair? And from what we saw in the preseason, I don't see how they could have the trust in pair. And then that brings me back to like what happened in the offseason when they decided in no circumstance could they draft over uh, Matt Pair in this draft. You know, there was discussions I saw from from sources, now who knows how reliable they are, Nick, that the Giants were not interested in drafting a tackle in the first round because they didn't want to draft over Matt Parrott. But through and through, Matt Parrott is and always was the 99th pick in a draft class. And the 99th pick at offensive tackle almost never works out. So he was always going to have to be a, a, a outlier. And yet the Giants have this hubris that seems to come over them when it comes to the Barkley pick, when it comes to falling in love with Daniel Jones, when it comes to a lot of different things, even Andrew Thomas to some extent, where they believe that their evaluation can be better than the rest of the league's evaluation. And yet 98 picks went by before Matt Parrott came off the board. And now we're going into season 
week one, and he's not the starter. He was supposed to be the starter. He's not the starter. And yes, it might be a rotation, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's Nate Solder playing most of the snaps and Matt Parrick getting a series or two. And to me, that's alarming. It is alarming. It, it's certainly alarming. I'm not overly shocked. And, you know, you would like to imagine that the Giants had guys like Rashawn Slater on their board, some of these other tackles, maybe even a Christian Derisaw. At the end of the day, I'm happy with what ended up happening in this draft from the standpoint of trading back to pick, what was it, 20 and getting, I mean, Kadarius Tony, I'm not fully sold on that specifically, but getting more draft capital for next year's draft. Like, I'm happy the Giants did that. It's something that wasn't in Gettleman's MO, and now he's... He was able to do that. And yes, the Giants passed on an opportunity to draft Justin Fields. We'll see if that's going to come back to bite them in the rear end. But at the end of the day, I do like having that extra draft capital. But I don't like the fact that they weren't, in that speculation, we're not 100% certain, but that they weren't necessarily looking at the tackle position. Were you 100% sold that Matt Parrott was going to step in here and be a, a reliable right tackle? You thought that development would take place? It just doesn't seem like there was a lot of contingency plans at the tackle position specifically. And I mean, even if they they drafted in the first round, second round, third, what have you, I just would have liked to think that that was at least uh, to bring in competition would be something that was on their mind. It doesn't seem like that was at the forefront of their mind during the draft process. But at the end of the day, I, I do like the trade. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, I'm still for the trade. You're still getting an incredible asset, especially because you might be in the quarterback market again next offseason where you will need those assets, whether that be via trade uh, for veterans, proven veterans, maybe an Aaron Rodgers, maybe a Russell Wilson, or, you know, whether that may be just trading up in the draft to get the quarterback you want. Either way, you're going to need assets like that if you're in the quarterback market. So I'm still for the trade. It's not, it's not like, you know, I'm against it, but it's not. This is not an issue that manifested itself all in one offseason. This is an issue, the Giants offensive line, that's been manifesting itself over a four-year period where the GM came in and said the first priority is going to be to fix this offensive line. And what did he do? Well, he spent only two developmental picks on that line, Parrott and Shane Lemieux. That's it. I mean, we're not talking about, uh, I'm forgetting his name, the dude from Kentucky who he traded up in the seventh round, a, a total throwaway. We're not, Big George? Yeah. Big George, there's no point in talking about that. That's not a thing. Um, so ultimately, I think it's just a problem that's manifested itself over, over a four-year period. We're hoping it can work out still, and we're hoping Solder can be the best version of himself. There's no denying that it's possible. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of question marks. that, And then there, now's just even another bigger question mark. I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty surprised to see that uh, Matt Parrott did not win the job. And again, this this could I don't want to say it's overreaction because there's definitely a lot to react to, but like Matt Parrott could stabilize and end up becoming a, a solid right tackle in the NFL. Like that's definitely within the range of outcomes. But to head into week one and and not rely on this player that you thought you may be able to rely on, and you're going with a a veteran like like Solder, who like I said earlier, he has things going for him, especially against a veteran like Von Miller, but still somebody who hasn't played in two years. I mean, that's just something that. That isn't uh isn't great, and I mean you're getting thrown into the fire. This entire offensive line is getting thrown into the fire with playing Denver, and then you have to travel on a short week to Washington to see Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, and Deron Payne. I mean, it's uh, it could be a long week and a half. Yeah, agreed. And we'll see what happens there. Anything else from the initial depth chart that caught your attention? 
No, no, not necessarily. And again, this is depth chart. The Giants are going to come out in a variety of different personnel packages. On defense, they use their defenders in such a unique way that a depth chart doesn't really do justice to who's actually going to see a majority of snaps. So I'm not going to read too much into that part. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's transition then, because if there's nothing else on the, on the depth chart, and I don't really see anything else that caught my attention either there. Um, you know, it's what we expected for the most part. Then I would say let's get into some of your stat projections because it's interesting. But before we do that, I want to talk about the Giants captain, see if there's anything that stands out to you there. The captains were Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, Nick Gates on offense, then Jabril Peppers, Blake Martinez, Logan Ryan on the defense. And by the way, they restructured Logan Ryan's contract to uh, kind of clear up some cap space now, kicking uh, more of his cap hit into later years. In other words, Logan Ryan will almost definitely be on the roster next year now with this restructure because he's going to have more dead money attached to that cap number. So hopefully he doesn't fall off. I don't think he will. I'm fine with this. I'm happy with this. I mean, hopefully it doesn't cost them drill peppers, but I don't think it will. And then Graham Gano on special teams. Anything there? Two safeties, man. You got to love it. Two safeties. And then Nick Gates. I mean, talk about a, a rise to prominence being an undrafted tackle out of Nebraska, transitioning to center, and now is a captain of the offensive line over players like Will Hernandez, who has been there, uh, you know, a couple years longer. Well, technically, I guess it was the same year, but Nick Gates missed his entire 2018 season. And then Will Hernandez, also somebody who was a second round pick. So, I mean, that's a. It shows on the field whenever something bad happens to a giant and Nick Gates is right in that player's face. It doesn't matter if it's Aaron Donald. It doesn't matter who it is. Nick Gates is always going to stick up for his guys, and I'm sure that he probably does the same thing in practice. So I'm happy for a player like Nick Gates. Yeah, me too. Nick Gates has really earned his way up this roster in so many ways. And it's so funny because when Gates was signed by the Giants, I was like, this is a steal of UDFA just because I remember him from his Nebraska days in the Big Ten. And yet he was a really good tackle there. He's just found a way to reinvent himself in so many ways. First, they had him playing a little guard, a little tackle. Now he's found a home at center where I think he's going to stay. A lot of people speculated that he'll move over to tackle or he'll move over to guard with all the uh, acquisitions the Giants made. Billy Bryce, Ben Bredesen. I think he's staying at center. What do you think about that? I think ultimately those those are more depth pieces. And, and even in some ways, Price and Bredesen may eventually compete to play some snaps at guard. Gates, it seems like the Giants are comfortable with him at center. He actually did a pretty good job from the mental aspect, and he's still kind of growing as a center and in that uh, specific area as well. I don't think they're just going to like transition him to guard unless these guards really, really struggle and they want to move him to guard, and for whatever reason they feel more comfortable with the other two at center, or if they need to move Nick Gates to tackle, which would be a, a disaster situation if, if Solder and Parrot both really struggle or somebody gets hurt and they liked what Nick Gates did in 2019 from – previous administration for Joe Judge, at least coaching, um, then I could see possibly that happening. But that's like, you know, all the wheels fall off the wagon kind of situation. Yeah, agreed. And ultimately, we'll see what happens there. And I think the Giants, you know, there's a lot of – I feel like we've, we've sounded a bit negative to start this pod. It's not that we're trying to be negative, at least not my mind, uh, and I'm certainly not. It's just we're just a little concerned, I guess, with how the state of this offensive line is like – it's 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 scary going into week one to have this much uncertainty on the offensive line. I feel like at this point, Gates and Hernandez are the only two I feel really good about heading into week one. Do you have any bit of a different feel about the – I mean, that's only two of five positions, right? I mean, we got to feel a little bit better about more than two of five to feel really good in general about an O-line going into the year. Do you have any different thoughts on that? 
I don't know. And then Shane Lemieux is also dealing with a partially torn patellar tendon. Like, how long is he going to be able to play for that? I like the fact they got Billy Price and Ben Bredesen. Like, that's an awesome two additions to the depth of your interior offensive line. And I think that they could play and, and be solid uh, contributors as well. But no, like even Nick Gates and Will Hernandez were not, I would say, 100% certain of either. Not to be negative, it's just these aren't established guys in the league that have been consistent year after year like a lot of good teams in the NFL have. And I think that's just being being honest with ourselves. Doesn't mean it's going to be a disaster, but to say that this offensive line doesn't have question marks uh, at a couple different positions, I just would say I, I would like to understand how someone would come to that conclusion yep there's no doubt about it and we'll see what happens there I mean enough talk about the offensive line though let's get into the offense and the, and the stat projections because I still have the hope Nick I have I'm holding out the hope here that the offensive skill players Daniel Jones taking a jump Barkley being back on the field and now it's looking more likely that Barkley will play week one um I always thought this would be the case but now it's looking more likely they can kind of negate the offensive line. It's happened before. We've talked about this in the past. Sean McVay has really not had a great offensive line for a few years now, and yet, with the exception of Whitworth, and and yet they're still finding a way to generate offense, especially with Goff as the quarterback. There's been examples of you know this happening throughout time. The Giants are going to have to be one of them, obviously. I mean, it's not like we're going to see some massive jump here from from three three of five spots or even five of five. I mean, none, no one's playing elite level O-line play on this Giants O-line last year. So it's hard to imagine any elite players coming from this line already in year, you know, in year two. Thomas would probably be their best chance, but there's a way to negate it. And that would be through these skill players, through the quarterback taking a jump, maybe through Barkley helping them out as well. So let's talk some stat projections, Nick. But before we do that, let's take a quick break to your word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, Nick, let's get into some of your projections. You prefaced it, though, with a little bit of a look back on 2020. So why don't you break down some of those numbers and stats that I think do do an excellent job of kind of setting the stage. Sure. In 2020, the Giants were 30th in plays per game, only in front of the Jets and the Texans. They averaged 60 plays per game. According to Pro Football Focus, the Giants ran 1,013 plays at a 41% rushing clip. And that's mostly because the Giants trailed a, a solid amount in the fourth quarter. It wasn't every game or anything like that, because if you look at the first three quarters, they ran the ball uh, a lot more than just 41%. And then uh, in 14 and a half games, because Daniel Jones was hurt during that Cincinnati game in week 12, Jones threw the football 516 times. In 2019, he threw the ball 527 times with Pat Shermer's offense. Jones had 280 completions. On 448 attempts, 516 dropbacks last year for 2,943 yards, 11 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, and 11 fumbles. And then he added 43 carries for 423 yards on the ground with one rushing touchdown and then that embarrassing 80-yard stumble against the Philadelphia Eagles where he failed to actually get into the end zone. And I also want to preface these statistics just by saying I had to do a couple different iterations of this, Dan, because it... It wasn't as easy as I expected it to be, just kind of looking at all these skilled position players the Giants have. Someone's going to have to take a dip. And my initial outlook that I did, I actually think it was a little bit too positive. And I actually had the Giants finishing in the top 15 in offense. And I'm not that optimistic about about the Giants offense, to be honest. So I had to go back and, and kind of lower my initial projections a little bit and kind of make all the math fit between you know the quarterbacks uh their statistics and then all of these receiver statistics while also kind of accounting for the receivers that i didn't lay out like the john rosses and the austin max but i think some of that is built into the fact that some of these players are going to get injured and some of their statistics like say if darius slayton gets injured some of his statistics are going to carry over to whoever kind of steps in for him so let's keep all that in mind as well Yep. All right. Let's get into it. Give us your projections for Daniel Jones. Go one by one because I'm going to give an over and an under. Daniel Jones, I actually had Mike Glennon playing a little bit at quarterback as well, but this is what uh, my final projections, I guess you could say, ended up being 566 dropbacks, 527 attempts, 341 completions. That's a completion rate of 64.7, which would be his career high for 3,371 yards, which is 6.3 yards per attempt, 9.9 yards per completion for 28 touchdowns, which is a bit high for me, and 14 interceptions, still going to turn the ball over a little bit, 59 rushing attempts for 427 yards at 7.2 yards per rushing attempt with two rushing touchdowns. All right, let's break this down one by one. For the career high completion rate of 64.7%, I'm actually going to take the over. I think he'll even beat that. I think this offense will do a much better job of, of completing passes this year. That doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be a better offense, but with all these weapons on the field, I think they'll be better at completing passes. I think a lot of the balls that go Kenny Galladay's way wind up caught. The same goes for Kyle Rudolph. Those were, you know, targets that were going to Slayton as the X last year and targets that were going to Ingram as that Y at times, you know, a lot of time last year. So those will be higher percentage 
uh, throws. As far as the yards go, you know, there's not. I'll I'll, I'll take around. I'll, I'll take the over. I guess there too. Three three seven one. I, I hope the over hits. I mean, if the Giants are thrown for less than thirty five hundred passing yards, it's hard to imagine them being a team that has any realistic shot of winning a Super Bowl in twenty twenty one. Six point three yards per pass attempt just doesn't get it done in today's NFL. They say the mark is seven point yards per pass attempt. That's what you're looking for the minimum for your quarterback if you want to move forward with him. So I'm going to take the over here, Nick, in hopes that he'll get there. Twenty eight touchdowns. Definitely taking the under there. I think that's a lot for Jones coming off uh, a season where he didn't throw for as much. I know he threw for 24, I believe it was. Is that correct, his rookie season? Yes, I believe so. 24 is rookie season, and he didn't play in all the games, but and he didn't have his good weapons, or some would say he did with Beckham in his prime then. But at the same time, I just thought he saw the Pat Shermer system a lot better. I thought he was a much better fit for the Pat Shermer system. I thought at that time, NFL teams had less tape on him, less film, less ways they knew how to confuse him post-snap. And he just hasn't done a great job of, at least yet, proving to me that things are going to take some massive jump in in the Jason Garrett offense. 14 interceptions. I think that's fair. Um, What did he have last year? 10 interceptions in fewer games. Um, I'm going to go the under on the interceptions and I'm going to hope that, well, I'm going to go the under interceptions for two reasons, Nick. One, I think Jason Garrett's offense and his whole philosophy stresses so hard, not inter, not throwing interceptions. And a lot of those balls that were intercepted were in Evan Ingram's direction. There'll be less targets going to Evan Ingram this year. He led the Giants in targets last year. There's almost a 0% chance he's going to lead the Giants in targets this year. That's Evan Ingram. So I think the interceptions will come down. Rushing attempts, rushing yards, those look good to me. I'm gonna take a I'm gonna take a push on both of those. Yeah, I feel that. In terms of the drops last year, Daniel Jones ranked seventh in the NFL with twenty-nine drops. So the Giants were dropping the football at a at a pretty high clip, especially for a team that didn't throw the football nearly as much as, say, the Steelers or the Buccaneers or the Falcons or even Seattle. So that's another thing to kind of weigh in here. And then I just started like Glennon out a little bit. I had him at 106 dropbacks, 58 completions on 95 attempts, which is a 61% completion rate for 642 passing yards. And I think he's just going to hit maybe a, a big one here or there because it ends up being a little bit probably higher than I actually do expect 6.7 yards per attempt 11 yards per completion uh there's about 121 passing yards that aren't listed between the two quarterbacks through all the other stats that are going to be named here about 25 completions not listed and then for mike glennon i had him at seven touchdowns five interceptions three touchdowns not accounted for in the stats that you're going to see which will be spread out with like the john rosses the austin max and whoever else uh, ends up seeing the field yeah, I think that's fair with Glennon. I have not. I, I'm not going to go over under on Glennon. It's kind of just dependent on luck, I guess. The Giants hope yeah. to get lucky with Daniel Jones. I mean, it's not fully luck when a player has been injured in his first two seasons, but we saw last year Evan Ingram proved to that. And this is not just Evan Ingram. People throughout NFL history have been proving, and this is so true in the fantasy football community, which is why I always stress in fantasy football, drafting the quote-unquote injury-prone players because injuries are mostly luck-based. Um, and that's not the case always. I mean, there are some guys who who really start to get those same injuries build up to the same area of their body, and those are the ones who I consider you know, cons- uh, people to be concerned with. But it's hard for me to sit here and predict that Daniel Jones will get hurt just because he has been in the first two seasons. So uh, I'll just move forward with that one. All right, let's get to Barkley. Yeah, and I'm not saying that because he's been hurt the first two seasons, not fully because of that. It's also because he just has 
an unstable offensive line. And I think that's another reason why, but let's hope we don't see any Mike Glennon. So Saquon Barkley, have him at 268 carries, which would have ranked him fourth in 2020, but obviously now there's going to be an extra game. So we've got to take that into account for 1,236 rushing yards, which is 4.6 yards per carry, seven touchdowns, 67 targets, 56 catches for 357 receiving yards and two touchdowns, which is 6.3 yards per catch. Okay, let's unpack this one. All right, start with the 268 carries. That would rank would have ranked fourth in 2020, and that's with an extra game now. Does that factor in the extra game? It does not, no. Okay. So I think I'm going to take – this is a tough one because there's a lot of speculation on what's going to happen with Barkley's workload this year. If the Giants are going to kind of scale it back, now they have Booker. They feel more comfortable with Booker than they ever did. Gallman, I don't deny – I believe that for sure. But I do still think this is an offense that – is playing for its life in the sense that Jason Garrett is coaching for his life. Jason Garrett won't be here next year if this offense fails. He's the first scapegoat. And there's also Daniel Jones, who might not be here if this offense fails. In some ways, some people think if this team fails and Dave Gettleman is relieved of his duties, they might, some people think this, I'm not of this of this um, thought, but some people believe that if Dave Gettleman's gone, the new GM will also want to pick his own coach. I don't know if I believe that, but I think it's obviously a possibility. Throughout history, we've seen that happen over and over and over again. And so with all of that factored in, I will say that they're going to play Barkley a lot this year. It's been my prediction the whole time. I still stand by it. I don't think it's going to be quite like those 2018 numbers where he was just a true pure workhorse that just never came off the field. But I think it's going to be close. And so I'm going to take the over on the carries. Um or I'm sorry, I'm going to take the over on the rushing yards here. The carries I'm going to I'm going to go push on or under because to have a lot of carries, you need to win a lot of football games. That's just how it goes. And so I'm going to take the under there. I'm going to take the over on re- rushing yards. I'm going to take the over on receiving yards. And I'm going to take the over. Uh, I don't know if I want to take the over on targets or receptions. I'll take the over on targets, not the over on receptions. How about that? No, I like it. And I can easily see Barkley uh, crushing these numbers as well if he is 100% healthy. It's just a little bit hard to stat it out at the moment because I'm not sure how many carries he's going to get in week one. I think he'll be out there, but I wouldn't be shocked if he plays like 20 plays and gets, you know, 10 carries. Like, I'm just not 100% certain. And I do believe Devontae Booker is going to be involved no matter what. And I have him at 98 carries, which puts him around the Naheem Hines, Chase Edmonds uh, 2020 workload for 394 yards, which is four yards per carry, 13 targets, nine catches for 48 yards, which is 5.3 yards per catch. Okay, okay. Let's take this one down. Uh, I'm just trying to, in my head, figure out what I think is going to happen with this with this running back situation with Booker. I think you're right in the sense that like, it's only going to be Barkley and Booker, right? I don't think Bar- Brightwell will play many snaps. And I think he's mostly just a developmental prospect they didn't want to get rid of because of the draft capital. And that's fine. They, he flashed enough in preseason, I think, that it's better betting on him than somebody like uh, Clement from a long-term standpoint. But what that confirms to me is that they are thinking long-term with this running back room. And that what that confirms to me, I'm sorry, is that it's going to be a two-headed back here. And like I said, I still think Barkley's going to take so much of this workload that I'm not sure I want to predict so many touches for Booker, even though I do think it's really just going to be Barkley and Booker. So I'm going to go under on the carries, under on the yards, over on the targets, big over on the targets, big over on the receptions, big over on the receiving yards. 
All right. Yeah, no, I can see. I actually do think Gary Brightwell will play snaps. I just don't have him statted out. I just want to say that, but I do have that down here. And then um, let's move on to the receivers. So first, big offseason acquisition, Kenny Galladay. So I have him at 107 targets, which I originally had it much higher than this, and I scaled it down a little bit, to be honest with you. So I will not be surprised if he crushes this. But I have him at 107 targets for 71 catches, which is a 67% catch rate for 948 yards, which is a 13.4 yards per catch, which is actually would be his lowest. And I mainly think that because Jason Garrett's proclivity to run a lot of slant flat, a lot of spacing concepts, a lot of quick curls. And I think Galladay is going to be one of the primary targets depending on the defense's leverage in those types of plays, on those types of plays. And those are going to be like six, seven, eight yard types of catches, which are going to bring down his field stretching ability a little bit. And then I also have him at nine touchdowns. Okay. I am actually going to be a little bullish on this one. Okay. I'm going to take the over on targets, the over on receptions, the over on catch percentage for sure for me, even though he's going to have so many difficult, uh, they're going to throw him so many difficult spots where it's just like a one-on-one ball because there's nothing open because of Garrett's offense. And <laughs> he just has to make these contested catch plays and the over on yards, the under on touchdowns. So overs across the board for me, besides touchdowns, I really do truly think that Kenny Galladay will be the focal point of this passing game as the X. They tried to make it at, a, at least at some points, they tried to make it be Darius Slayton last year. Obviously that wasn't, you know, it wasn't possible. It didn't come to fruition. Maybe Slayton was playing hurt. Maybe he wasn't. But at the same time, it was in the game plan and for stre- long stretches of their season last year. So I think it will continue to be. I think Galde was brought in for a reason because um, he fits this offense so well, because he's a really good talent if he's healthy. And so I'm taking the over on these, Nick. That's, that's good. I mean, the one that I definitely, like if I had to restat this and I had to make all the math work and, and everything like that, but if I had to restat this, I'd probably go the under on the catch percentage. And I don't know. I like the touchdowns, man. I don't think a lot of people realize Kenny Galladay is only two years removed from leading the NFL in touchdowns like he did back in 2019 when he had 11. I know that's not like a lot of touchdowns, but he did lead the league that year. So, I mean, and he had, you know, Matt Stafford throwing him the football, which is a little bit different than Daniel Jones. But I, I wouldn't be shocked, man, because he is a, he's just an absolute hoss. But um, I'll move on to Sterling Shepard for a second. So I have him at 92 targets. He's another one that I also statted to have more than this as well, but I scaled it down a little bit. 92 targets, 72 receptions, 78% catch percentage, which isn't that much off of what he's been able to do his entire career because he's been so good on these short little routes that the Giants have run for him, and he's been excellent at securing those catches. For 884 yards, just 12.2 yards per catch, six touchdowns, and then six rushing attempts for 27 yards, which is 4.5 yards per carry. All right, on that one, I'm going to take – it's tough because I'm taking the over on the targets and receptions for Galde, and I feel like I'm taking the over on the targets and receptions there, I'm taking, and I'm thinking about taking the over here because I do think Shepard's going to be a big part of this passing game. I'm almost putting a lot of hope in the idea that the Giants are passing the ball a lot, which I'm not certain they will, with a really good defense and with their whole mindset. So – I want to take the under on targets here, especially with the fact that Shepard has in the past been injured every season, I believe, almost every season. Has it been every season? Has he made it through a full 16 yet, Nick? Sterling Shepard, I'm not 100% certain yeah, if he made it through a full 16 because he's been dinged up. He's, he okay. played, I think, his, his rookie season, he played in over 1,000 snaps, so yep. he may have then. But other than that, he's only cracked 900 once. 
Sure. So if that's the case, 92 targets seems a lot. Take the under there. Take the under receptions. Catch percentage, you're right. There will be easy ones for him. So give me push there. Yards, uh, yards 884. That's so reasonable, Nick. You've made all these so reasonable. It's hard for me to do anything with these. Like, I want to push on all these. Um, give me, give me un, over, uh, give me the over for yards. I do think he's still going to be like the number two in this offense. If push comes to shove, I'm going to take the under for TDs. Rushing attempts six. Uh, it's interesting, especially if Tony gets in the mix, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, six on the whole year. They did find some success with him in the run game. So I'll go over there over yards. That's fair too. And to be transparent, as I said before, like I had Galladay and Shepard statted a lot better than this because I can see either one of these two, especially if one of them end up going down, being a lot better than these projections. So I just want to say that we can move on to Darius Slayton where I have him at 62 targets, only 37 catches, the 59% catch rate for 401 yards which would be a 10.8 yard per catch and then I also have him at four touchdowns I just think he's going to get a lot of uh, single coverage looks he's proven that he can win contested catch situations more so in 2019 than last year but I think Daniel Jones won't be shy to to throw him the ball if he has a favorable matchup against a cornerback two that isn't all that great 59% catch is, is a little low to be honest, but he's a player last year that had 53%. I mean, he had 94 targets, only caught 50 in his 2019 year, which we think of as a really good year because he had eight touchdowns. He only had 60% catch. So he's not exactly a high percentage guy, but he also has a lot of low percentage attempts, which I feel like Kenny Galladay will do a much better job with those than Slayton did last season. Okay. This one to unpack. Let's see. It's another tough one because – I just It's so tough to do these ones because we don't fully know the role of the following four players in this offense as far as this passing game pecking order goes. Slayton, Tony, Rudolph, Ingram. Like We know they're going to be a role. They're going to have roles. They're going to be a big part of this offense, but how much is hard to figure out. Uh, you're setting the bar, again, at these good, good price points. It's hard for me to fully know. 62 targets, 37 receptions, 59% catch rate. <sighs> give, me, give me the... Push on targets, over on receptions, over catch rate. Yards, I'm going over for sure. Touchdowns, four is interesting. Really interesting. Uh, Give me a push. I think he'll get to four. That's where I'm at there. I like it. I like it. Now Kadarius Tony, which was a difficult um, projection, to be honest. But I have him at 56 targets, 35 catches, which is a 63% catch rate. For 360 yards, which is 10.2 yards per catch with three touchdowns. Now, his rushing attempts, I have him at 21 rushing attempts for 89 yards, which is only 4.2 yards per carry. But I think he'll like break a big one and also get tackled behind the line of scrimmage a couple times, making this a little bit like either boom or bust. And then one rushing touchdown. So, I mean, overall, if this were to come true, this would not be a great... um, great use of your first round pick, but this is also someone who's really started slow with the New York Giants. And I think he'll be ingratiated into the offense a little bit more as the season progresses. I just hope the Giants don't really try to force him the football and become predictable, which we which we've seen, I guess, in the past. So I hope that doesn't happen. But what do you think of these Kadarius Tony projections? This, this is the total wild card, and I'm sorry for those of you who just heard that this is on deck. You were on deck, I'm sorry, uh, for the fantasy. I'm in like 70 different fantasy drafts right now. They're going like slowly and 
just constantly hearing those. So I apologize. They're worse for me than you, I promise. Um, but this is the wild card, this Kadarius Tony uh, prediction, because it's so hard for us to have any clue at all what we're going to see from him in year one because he had him play in the preseason. He barely practiced at all in training camp, and he was their first round pick. So there's obviously a plan for him going into drafting him. So it's like it's hard to say no ceiling. It's hard to go under because of that, but it's also hard to go over without that. We saw it from Beckham as a rookie. We saw him not need training camp. We saw him not need preseason. We saw him not need the first four weeks of the regular season. But then again, it was Odell Beckham who was, you know, tracking on a Hall of Fame pace before the injuries. I don't know if we can say the same about Kadarius Tony. There's also some believe that Kadarius Tony's a bit of a developmental prospect from a route running standpoint. Obviously, you know, still a little bit raw at the wide receiver position. So I want to go over on all these because I think the Giants offense is at its best if Kadarius Tony is a key piece. Like to me, it should run through Barkley, Galladay, and then really Tony. Like I'm fine with Shepard Tony as a as a as a one or you know, a one A, one B or a three three A, three B, I should say. But he's gotta be in that mix in my mind for top three, top four at worst in the pecking order of touches targets. So because of that, I want to take the over on on targets. I want to take the over on receptions and definitely the over on yards. TDs, I'll go under again, at least uh, unless those are, you know, it's just receiving TDs. I'm going to go over or under on rushing attempts at 21. I think that's a bit high, but it would be great. Like, I would love it if they went over on 21 rushing attempts. The offense is operating at a high level in my mind from a schematic standpoint or a higher level, Nick, if they got over 21 rushing attempts for Terrace Tony. 89 yards, I'll take the over regardless of how many attempts he has. I think he's breaking one in the run game. And I'll take the over on rushing touchdowns. Very, very fair with uh, Kadarius, Tony. I mean, I I thought 21 rushing attempts was a lot as well, but still sat it out that way. Let's hope he gets that, and let's hope all the other numbers are a little bit higher. Now, Kyle Rudolph. So I have him listed as the first tight end here, and that's because Evan Ingram is – unhealthy right now with the calf injury, but it's also because I think Kyle Rudolph is a better fit for this offense for what Jason Garrett wants to do than Evan Ingram. We've been saying that since the Giants signed Kyle Rudolph, and now that he's presumably healthy, I can actually see him having better stats than what I'm about to say. But this is what I have listed. 59 targets, 47 receptions, which is a 79% catch rate, which would be his lowest since I think he played with Teddy Bridgewater because he had 84.2 in 2018, 81.8 in 2019, and an 80% catch rate in 2020. So this is somebody who does not drop the football often. He hasn't dropped the football since 2018, and he hasn't had multiple drops in a season since 2016. So let's hope that stays consistent and that we just didn't put the kiss of death on that specific stat. So then I also have Kyle Rudolph, 404 yards, which I could see him being more than that. It's 8.5 yards per catch with five touchdowns. What do you think of that? Okay. That's an interesting one. All right. Rudolph is somebody who I feel like can just be – do we want him to be – do we want him to hit overs? I'm not so sure. Will he hit overs in this Jason Garrett offense? Yes, I think he will. I really think he's going to hit overs on targets, receptions, catch rate, whatever. I'm not so sure. I'll push that. Yards for sure, 404. I think he's for sure topping that. Touchdowns, he's a good red zone guy. So give me the over on that too. I think it's going to be, I think Kyle Rudolph's going to be a much bigger part of this offense than people think right now because Jason Garrett's running the show. 
Absolutely. And I mean, he's not somebody who has elite athletic ability like an Evan Ingram, but he can keep your offense on schedule, which is something that Jason Garrett loves, as we have discussed in the past. So I think it's uh, safe to say that Kyle Rudolph could have a huge role if he's healthy, if he's up to speed and all of that checks out. Now, Evan Ingram, we have Evan Ingram at 55 targets, only 35 receptions, which is a 63% catch rate for 401 yards, which is 11.4 yards per catch, and then two touchdowns. Okay, this one, (laughs) this is the fun one because it's Evan Ingram, right? I think from what we've seen, so first of all, he's injured already, right? So now we know for a fact that we have to factor in that he's already hurt. That could lead to, and again, I'm not a big injury-prone guy, but at the same time, when someone's already hurt, that's a different story. When they start the season hurt, you could start to see people come back too soon off that injury. And then the rest of their body compensates for one part of their injury, the speed and calf, and something else gets hurt. We saw that at times with Beckham throughout his career when he came back too soon. And he even talked about that. So I think that's in play. And the fact that he's already hurt, in my mind, likely to miss week, week one, he's already down a game. So 55 targets, 35 receptions, 63% catch rate, 400 yards, two TDs. It's still, it's still old. I feel like it still feels low just because I saw what I saw in the preseason and training camp where he still like seems to be this huge part of their offense. And they want to use a ton of 12 personnel, obviously, with Ingram and Rudolph. That's the Garrett way. And he had so many targets last year, Nick. It's like this would be such a drop off, even though, yes, Galladay's in the offense. Yes, Tony, hopefully. Yes, Rudolph. And the defense is great, and they want to run the ball. And Barkley's back. I'll go under under everything, under across the board here, with the exception of yards. He's going to go over yards. Oh, wow. So under reception. So, yeah, he's going to be a big yard per catch guy. That's hope, man. Big yard hope per catch guy. That's the hope. Yeah, exactly. Let's hope he takes some drags to the house. So we have some, I guess you can call it breaking news on the podcast right now, according to Ryan Dunleavy. The Giants are re-signing Nate Ebner, and the corresponding move – is not calling Gillespie. It's actually CJ Board. So what do you make of that? Yeah, breaking news. I mean, it seemed to have this more often now. Um, I'm not making too much of this. I think this one was pretty much expected. We heard a little bit about this last week. Um, and, you know, if you're going to sign a special teamer, probably another special teamer is going to get the axe. Do you, are you surprised at all by this? I guess that means that they're confident enough in Jabril Peppers and Kadarius Toney to be the punt returner. And now I'm wondering who exactly will be the kick returner if there is no CJ board, unless I'm overlooking somebody. But I'm sure there's going to be somebody who who can execute that role. But I was under the impression, and you know, I wasn't certain or anything, that Gillespie might be the person out if Ebner was going to be signed. But it looks like, according to Dunleavy of the of uh, New York Post, it's going to be CJ Board. Okay, CJ Board. Well, not too much of a surprise to me. Let's get back into the projections, finish this one out strong. Yeah, so I just have Caden Smith because I think the Giants will be utilizing him. I have him, 16 targets, 12 catches, which is a 75% catch rate. We're talking about a lot of flat routes, which we've seen the Giants like to use a lot on second and short, sometimes on third and short. He's part of the slant flat when there is a receiver to his side. He's usually the one running that flat route when it's uh, you know one receiver and tight end on the same side. And then I have him at 89 yards, which is 7.4 yards per catch for one touchdown. All fair numbers there. I will go – I'm going to push across the board here. I know it's a cop-out, but I just really have no clue what's going to happen with this tight end group. 
depending on the Ingram injury. Like if this lingers, Caden Smith is probably going to hit overs on this. But then again, like we could see uh, the fullbacks play a little bit of a role instead and kind of like a hybrid, not 12 personnel, obviously, but just like those guys being used in H-back roles and different ways in this offense. So I'm going to... I'm going to push on this one. Let's go with the final Giants totals here. You projected stats for their offense uh, overall. According to these stats, the Giants will have 4,013 passing yards. Divide that by 17, it comes out to be 236 passing yards per game, which would have ranked 19th in the NFL last year. So it would have been a considerable jump from where they were last season. Okay. And And then for rushing yards, we have... 1734, so 1,734 rushing yards. Divide that by 17. That is 102 rush yards per game. Ranked 26 in the NFL last year. I actually expect that to be up, but then when you, it's also without Daniel Jones. That's just the receivers and the running back. With Daniel Jones, it would be 2,159 rushing yards. Divide that by 17. It's 127 rushing yards per game, which ranked ninth in the NFL last year. Would that rank ninth with the quarterback runs from all teams included? Yes, I believe the stat on uh, teamrankings.com includes okay. the quarterback because the Ravens' rushing yards was insane last year, yeah. <laughs> according to that website. I honestly, I'm not like, again, like my stats, I brought them down after my first run of all this, and they still come out to be pretty optimistic. I hope they're this optimistic. Like, I would love for them to be this optimistic, but I, I can't say I'm 100% certain, but that's what I have statted out here today. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I like it, Nick. I mean, listen. If they're going to be running the ball more, it means they're going to be winning football games, and that's what we want. And so hopefully we see that this season a lot. Still still uncertainty, but we're going to learn a lot this first week against the Broncos. I feel like we're going to learn so much about this offense, and that's cool because they're facing, in my mind, probably top five, top ten defense this year. I, I predict the Broncos will probably finish in that range on defense. What do you think about that? I absolutely do. I mean, they have one of the best defensive head coaches in the league in Vic Fangio, who's right. underrated in that yeah. aspect, and two of the premier edge rushers in the league. If Von Miller can return to like 80% of what he was before that injury, that's going to be incredibly dangerous with somebody like Bradley Chubb as well. So, I mean, it's could be a very dangerous defense. And they got some really, really intriguing back-end pieces, and they just added the Alabama kid to their cornerback room. Yeah, I think they're even better in the back end, honestly, than even up front, especially with just uh, with Simmons there in the, in the, deep, in the deep half. So... They got a lot of talent there. They got a lot of talent. Let's see what happens. All right, that's all we have for today. We're going to hit another one soon, talk about some more Giants news, get to some of your questions. I know some of you have left some questions. I actually have to rush out because I have a Rosh Hashanah dinner. It's the new year in the Jewish religion. I don't actually, not very religious myself, but hey, listen, my mom likes it. It makes her happy, and that makes me happy, and that's something you should be doing to all children around the world. Make your parents happy. They deserve it. So, Have a great rest of your week, everybody. We'll talk to you soon, and go Giants.